Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's good to be with you all today. It's a cloudy Sunday, unlike just last week, but that's okay. We'll bring the sunshine. Yes. Amen. It's good to be with you all today. We're going to begin our service of worship with our first hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. talked about him being the child prophet and uh, 
Jeremiah lived in the era of uh, the 600 to the early 500 BC. And this was a time we talked about, and it's very relevant to what we're talking about today, that Babylon, Egypt, and Assyria were in constant fighting. And about the time of his, he only lived for about 40 years, about the time of his um, prime of life, you might say, uh, the Babylonians took over the land. And they were the ones that gave the Israelites the most difficulty. They did something uh, in their 10 years. Nebuchadnezzar was king. Uh, he destroyed the temple. He put other people as king over uh, the Israelites and therefore they felt they were losing their continuity. They had thought that God was going to give them a king continuity and they found that Jerusalem was not invincible. And so these three things affected Jeremiah. And so he's kind of a conflicted person today. And he's in a little bit of a lamentations because people are out after him for what he's saying. So let's set that tone today. Jeremiah 27 to 13. O Lord, you have enticed me, and I was enticed. You have overpowered me, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For wherever I speak, I must cry out. I must shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and a derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, then within me there is something like a burning fire shuts up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. For I hear my whispering, terror is all around. Denounce him, let us denounce him. All my false friends are watching for me to stumble. Perhaps he can be enticed and we can prevail against him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a dread warrior. Therefore my persecutors will stumble and they will not prevail. They will be greatly shamed for they will not succeed. The eternal disorder will never be forgotten. O Lord of hosts, your test, you test the righteous, you see the heart and the mind. Let me see your retribution upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hands of the evil Lord. This is the word of our Lord. Our lectionary psalm comes from Psalm 69, verses 7 through 10, 11 to 15, and 16 to 18, and we'll be reading them responsibly. It is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my neighbor, and to my mother's children. It is zeal for your house that has consumed me. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. 
But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love. Answer me. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Do not hide the from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Draw near to me. Redeem me. Set me free because I am in peace. And now for our next hymn, Jesus the Very Thought of You.
For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed. And we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is free from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The word of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the tenth chapter. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing is secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground unperceived by your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to Christ. After reading the Gospel lectionary text there, my first sentence of my sermon makes even more sense. Sometimes the Bible is not a pleasant book to read. Ironically enough, I find that a comforting fact. And here's why. The reason the Bible is not always pleasant to read is that the Bible is just plain accurate in describing human life. We naturally want to and gravitate toward passages like Psalm 23, 
where God is our shepherd and we lay down by quiet waters and enjoy a peaceful scene. We love to read 1 Corinthians 13 and its beautiful ode to love and how love is the most important thing. We love reading the miracle stories of Jesus, healing blind people and raising others from the dead. But what about the other texts? The ones where people express their doubts or describe their pain? Or like our lectionary psalm, Psalm 69, they cry out to God for help in their distress. What about the violence of the Old Testament book of Judges? Or the pain and suffering described by Jeremiah and Lamentations? You see, it's all too easy to turn the pages of the Bible more quickly past the texts that leave us feeling uneasy or uncomfortable, but they're there for a reason. The Bible is just really good at describing the reality of human life, including all of its mountaintop highs of joy and elation, as well as the pits, dark places, and quagmires in which we find ourselves. The experiences where we feel angry, or grieving, or lost, or afraid. So what do we do with passages like Psalm 69, where the author cries out due to pain and fear and angst? Well, we're going to walk through some of this text to see what it has to say to us about the spiritual journey. The psalmist wrote, With your faithful help, rescue me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Clearly, there's a belief that God has the power to save from hardship. The prayer of the psalmist is profoundly vulnerable and conveys the depths of fear and trepidation that the psalmist is feeling. When you are describing your life sinking in a mire, needing rescue from enemies and being surrounded by deep waters, the overall sense is that you are overwhelmed, right? The psalmist is overwhelmed by the experiences of life. There are extreme challenges they are facing. Now, as I describe that, maybe some of you are reminded of times or seasons in your life when you experience these types of things. Or maybe some of you feel like this accurately describes some of what you're experiencing right now, in this current season. Whether yours is a distant memory or a current experience, the beautiful truth of this verse is the same. God hears you. The psalmist clearly believes that God not only hears the prayers he's declaring, but also cares about what's going on around him. The psalmist knows that God cares about him. That's a bedrock truth of our faith. God cares, God's engaged, God's involved, God walks with us in all things. All things. Not just when it's easy, not just when life is going well for us, but when we are going through mires, deep waters, scary places, God is with us. The psalmist also says, Do not let the flood sweep over me, or the deep swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. 
Again, vivid word pictures that convey the sense of being overwhelmed in the circumstances. This verse captures in a potent way one of the most impactful of all human experiences. Fear. We experience a lot of fear on the spiritual journey, do we not? We fear losing loved ones, we fear loss of independence, we fear tragedy, we fear certain behaviors in others, we fear death, we fear fill in the blank. Maybe your fears aren't on my list. But we all experience fear. Here and there, right? It's part of our human journey. Fear is such a profound and common human experience that it's arguably one of the most thoroughly addressed themes in the Bible. Joseph's brothers are afraid of him, seeking revenge after they've sold him into slavery. Moses is afraid to go on God's mission when he encounters a burning bush. King Saul and his entire army, minus David, are afraid of a giant named Goliath. Gideon is afraid of this calling to go lead an army into battle. Peter is afraid of the wind and the waves, even though he's already walking on water. The disciples are afraid after Jesus dies, not knowing if they will be crucified next. The list is rather lengthy as to all those people who experience fear in the Bible. And to that list we can add the author of Psalm 69. Clearly afraid, clearly overwhelmed, clearly in need. So many times fear overwhelms us. So what do we do? Well, the psalmist continues with these words. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Draw near to me. Redeem me. Set me free because of my enemies. In that part of the psalm, the psalmist offers us some profound ways of addressing our fear as it relates to the spiritual journey. The first thing I want you to notice that the psalmist did was they named God's attributes. The psalmist declared that God had steadfast love, that the Lord is good, that the Lord is merciful, that the Lord is a redeemer, that the Lord is a God of freedom. He just lists God's character traits in his prayer. And that's not for your and my benefit, although we do benefit from it. It's for his own benefit. Lord, I know this is who you are. You are good. You are merciful. You are loving. You are a deliverer. You are powerful. I know this is true about you. And so maybe in a way, as the psalmist is writing, it's sort of the need to be reminded, to write that down in order to remind himself of who God is. The second thing that this psalmist says, or does, that I think is profound, is he's very vulnerable in his prayer. In fact, the psalmist shows us what it looks like to practice vulnerability with God. He doesn't sugarcoat his fear or feelings of being overwhelmed. He just lays it all out there. He's afraid. He's got angst. He has this tremendously overwhelming life experience and he just lays it out there. And you know what really encourages me about that is that the psalmist is showing us how to do it too. He probably didn't think that what he wrote down was eventually going to be used in a service like this. That wasn't his intent when writing it. He was writing it for himself. 
He was being transparent before God about what was hard. But what we receive, what we inherit in our tradition, is permission to do the same. You can do that. You can express all the spectrum of emotions that you have, whatever you're going through in your life, you can bring that before God in prayer, and you can be profoundly transparent with God. He already knows. (laughs) So you're not surprised again. But it's good for you, and it's good for me, to express, to say, this is how I feel, Lord. I am overwhelmed. I am beset by all these challenges. I feel like a tidal wave is washing over me. I'm stuck. I can't get out of this place. Whatever, fill the blank. Expressing ourselves vulnerably in prayer, that's what the psalmist shows us how to do. And thirdly, this is a powerful example as well, the psalmist makes clear what he needs. He just says it. Help! Answer me! Don't turn away! I'm afraid and I need you. I need your presence. I need your encouragement. That's what the psalmist says. He just lays out his needs before God in his psalm as well. This is one of the more profound blessings that the psalms offer us as we read them. They give us a roadmap for talking to God. They show us how it looks to communicate with the creator of the universe. God isn't too busy to hear you. God isn't afraid of your fear. God isn't overwhelmed by what overwhelms you. God isn't angry at you for having needs. God loves you and me, and God wants to hear everything you have to say. You never have to hold anything back from God. And in fact, it really seems silly when you think about it theologically, right? If he already knows it, you're not holding anything back from God. You're just sharing what he already knows. But he yearns to hear you say it. Because he loves you. And he loves me. He wants that open communication. That's what relationship requires. This may be new and uncharted territory for some of you. It may be that in your cultural upbringing or your family dynamics, there were certain emotions that were prohibited from being expressed outwardly, maybe like grief or anger or others. It may be that praying with anger or praying with tears or praying with fear or expressing your worries and anxieties, it may be that all this is very new, a very new way to talk to God. That's okay. If it's new, then lean into it. Lean into it slowly and surely. There are 150 psalms in the Bible, and more than two-thirds of them are psalms of lament. The vast majority are psalms where the psalmist is being brutally honest with God about what's messed up. So yes, there are psalms of praise and psalms of joy and elation and jubilation, and those are great And there are so many psalms that give us permission to express how we're doing to God. Because it's not all sunshine and rainbows. For centuries, the psalms have been the worship book of the Jewish people. And as Christians, we inherit them through Jesus. They give us permission to feel what we feel. And that how we feel is part of the spiritual journey. God invites us to share how we feel with Him and with each other. 
But before we can share how we feel with God and others, we have to be able to articulate what it is that we feel. We need language to express our emotions, to talk about what's coursing through us. So I'm going to introduce you to a tool that I get to send you home with today. It's an emotion wheel. Some of you maybe have seen this before, and everyone will be able to take a copy home at the end of the service. But it's really nice because what it does is in the center of the wheel, there's sort of uh, six or seven key big categories of emotion. Bad, surprised, happy, sad, disgusted, angry, and fearful. But it expands because there's nuance to every emotion. And so as you follow a, an emotion further out in the same color, eventually you see more words that describe more types of experiences. And eventually you may kind of start with one in the middle and work your way out and say, yep, I'm feeling cheeky. Or I'm feeling hopeful. Or I'm feeling empty. Or I'm feeling appalled, provoked, nervous, inadequate, worried. So many good words. But they, they might be different for every one of us. In fact, I'm sure they are. And what it does is it just simply gives you a way to wrestle with what it is that's going on inside of you. So, when you leave, I'm going to give you each one of these. But it's just a simple tool that helps us to have a way to articulate our feelings. My hope and prayer for each of us is that we would embrace the emotions that we encounter along the spiritual journey. Embracing our emotions, no matter what they are, no matter where they come from, is a really important part of being a human being. Because emotions are part of being human. We feel stuff. We have to wrestle with what it is that we feel. The Psalms can sometimes give you language or imagery necessary to know how to pray what you feel. Like I said at the beginning, the Bible is not all butterflies and skittles. I didn't exactly mention butterflies and skittles earlier, but you get the picture. One of the most, most precious gifts of the Bible is that it's brutally honest with us about the hard stuff of life. It describes human life in a lot of vivid pictures. And we can find ourselves in so many stories in the Bible by putting our feet in the shoes of so many characters. And then it kind of opens our eyes to, yeah, I'm feeling like Moses today. Or I'm feeling like Esther today. Or I'm feeling like Peter today. I'm feeling like something they experienced in their life. The Bible paints pictures of joy, love, and beauty, as well as tragedy, challenge, and grief. So, here are three simple invitations for each of us to consider as we wrestle with Psalm 69. Take time at the end of each day to use this emotion wheel to assess how you felt over the course of the day. Just take a few minutes and review your day, you can look at the, the wheel and think, when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty good. When I got to about 11 o'clock, I started to feel hungry for lunch. Or at 1 in the afternoon, I started to feel sad about this thing I heard. Or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I felt this way. Just review your day and notice how you felt. Knowing yourself is part of your spiritual journey. Second invitation. Take time to write your own psalm. 
Some of you I know are gifted writers, journalists, you have diaries or poetry or whatever it is that you do to write, and however that looks for you, take time to write your own psalm. It could be a psalm of joy and celebration. It could be a psalm of lament. It could be a psalm of petition, praying to God for something you need. But take time to write your own. Third invitation. Share how you're doing with a trusted friend. Maybe you're not a writer. Maybe you're not someone who likes to put it down pen to paper, and that's okay. Find someone you can talk to, where you can share how it is you're feeling with them. And if you don't want advice, and you don't want them to fix it, just start by saying, I just need someone to hear me out. I'm not looking for any help necessarily, I just want to express what's going on in my heart. And let them listen. And if they come to you and ask for that, just listen. That's all you got to do. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to be the one with all the answers. You can be the partner who walks with them through it. And that's a beautiful gift to your neighbors and friends, family, brothers and sisters in faith. I hope and pray that as we name and articulate our experiences, even the uncomfortable ones, that we will experience the comfort and encouragement and grace of God in all of our life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Our next hymn is When Peace Like a River.
believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we will receive our offering. to come to you with the very same things as we experience them. 
So today we lift up all these prayers that have been indicated as people have raised their hands. We pray for our brothers and sisters who are hurting this morning, who are here with us. With whatever challenges they're facing, health needs, relational needs, emotional needs, Lord, we pray your blessing upon them. Encourage and uplift them. Wrap your arms around them. Help them know, without a doubt, that you are near. Speak words of blessing and peace. Lord, we pray for those of us who raise our hands, recognizing we are concerned for other people. Some of us in the room are praying for loved ones. We're praying for neighbors and friends and family members. We're praying for other people. We're concerned for other people because they're going through something challenging. And we love them and we care for them. And we lift these prayer requests up to you as well. And Lord, others of us, many, many, maybe most of us, have a lot of things on our mind about what's going on in our world. Big global challenges that face our planet as a whole. And so, Lord, we lift those up to you too. We pray for grace. We pray for healing, for reconciliation between groups of people, for ceasing of war and conflict, for the meeting of needs for those who experience poverty and pain and suffering on a global scale. We lift all these things up to you. We thank you, Lord, that in every moment that we pray, we have the promise that you hear, you are near. None of our prayers is lost to you. And so we thank you, Lord, as we lift these up to you, we entrust them to your care, we lay them before you, and we ask that you would give us faith to trust you with each of these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And together, pray the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now for our final hymn, Great is thy faithfulness.
now receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace, serve the Lord. And you're all invited to join us for food and fellowship in the plumber room.